Hey, come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? Everybody good? Hold on now. Let's take 10 seconds. I can feel it in the room. Somebody's got to give Jesus the best praise you've got. Come on, let's put our eyes on him. Come on, if you love Jesus. That's why we came, Lord, to lift you up. Man, what a good-looking room today. For those of you here and this auditorium, this is our South Metro Atlantic campus of Go Church, and we greet all of you today from this location. We have the opportunity and really the privilege to live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlantic campus right there on the beautiful property of City of Refuge. We welcome all of you. And then 702 miles from here in Montgomery County, Maryland, our Montgomery County, Maryland campus. So everybody watching online as well, people literally all over the world watching, we greet you today. And I know my mama's watching, so I love you, mama. All right, put your hands together, every campus, every family, part of the Go Church family. Come on, greet one another. Good. Every single Sunday, and if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, you know this is a true statement, but every Sunday we give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military. That's our veterans of the military, active duty and first responders. The month of May is Military Appreciation Month, so I want to take our appreciation up a notch here. So every campus, if you're a part of the military family, you've served or you are serving and we wanna honor first responders as well. Would you put your hand up? And I want every campus, every room to really show these brave men and women the appreciation. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, God bless. Keep clapping for a moment. God bless you. Thank you. All of you right here. That's the safest part of the room right there. God bless all of you. genuinely love the men and women that put their life on the line to serve and protect ours, and we're grateful because of your service. Now, you also know the last few weeks, we've really put a heavy emphasis on the women of Go Church, from You Go Girl and that incredible conference to next Sunday is Mama's Day here at Go Church. I know some of you may be traveling for Mother's Day. Many of you will be in town. If you're here near any Go Church campus, make sure you get in the house. It's going to be a great day to honor and celebrate moms. And I know that family dynamics are different. Some of you, your mother has already transitioned from this life to her eternal reward. Some of you may not have the greatest relationship with your mom. Even in that family dynamic, you can learn how to be a, a, a better mother, a different mother. Uh, whatever you're needing in your family, you can learn whether you had an involved mom or an uninvolved mom. But you only got one mama. And so I'm not preaching next Sunday because we have a guest so I just wanna encourage you here uh, just to love on your moms. If your mom is alive, even if there's tension in that relationship, would you be the first one to make the first move? Just tell her that you love her, that you appreciate her, and God will bless that. So it's Mother's Day. You need to get your mama a gift. Come on, can you say amen to that? And the greatest gift, and I believe this, a lot of moms, the greatest gift for them is not what you buy in a present, it's just presence of you and the grandkids and the kids and the family. Even though y'all are dysfunctional, go ahead and admit that. Mamas like to be together, and to be together in church is a blessing, so I hope that you're here. But there's also men. Okay, so let's put the women to the side for a moment. Let's talk to the men. We got man up coming up. Come on, fellas, let's go. It's our turn. So at every campus on your way out today, fellas, you're gonna get some information on the Man Up Conference. It's happening in the month of June. I want you to go online and register like all of the events that we have here at Go Church by way of conferences, uh, seats are limited, tickets are limited, so don't delay. Ladies, help your men sign up. Just sign them up. Go ahead and do it. Sign them up and they'll show up. But fellas, I want you to come for a weekend of just community, food, discussions on biblical masculinity. Iron sharpens iron. That's a good place to say amen right there. So I want us to be together. It's gonna be a great weekend, okay? So get the information on your way out, jump online, and you'll be better because of it. And then today is the final week in season one of Binge the Bible. Have you enjoyed this series so far? Come on, I love teaching it. I hope you've enjoyed learning and listening. As a matter of fact, we're, we're calling these episodes because of, of season one. So this is episode four of season one. So we'll conclude season one today. And then this summer, 
we're gonna come back and we're gonna do season two. All of season two will be on the book of Acts. And so we'll spend probably nine, 10 plus weeks on the book of Acts together this summer because it's one of the most crucial books of the New Testament and in all of the Bible as God literally births the New Testament church. And it's why we're a part of this movement today. So I wanna pray for you. We're gonna jump right in. I believe I've got a message from the Lord that will encourage you today. And I want you to really lean in. So if you're taking notes, there's a message note card in a seat near you. We highly encourage you to take notes. I kind of have a culture of note taking here at Go Church. If you're using your smartphone, just you know, turn it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted. But don't miss what the Lord wants to speak to your heart today, okay? Let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus. Let's take a few seconds here. I always try to take about 10 seconds just to, to focus our thoughts, align our thoughts, um, allow the Holy Spirit to kind of remove the distraction of the week you've had or the worry of the week you will have. Since you're in the room, tell the Lord, I don't wanna miss what you have to say. So let's go 10 seconds of you just focusing on, on the Spirit of the Lord and then I'll pray for you. Let's just take another second here. I just feel the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. Lord, for me, and maybe I can speak for so many that are here today, but I am always in a hurry. I'm always moving to what's next and where we gotta be and what we gotta do. But I think even on Sundays, we can be guilty of just wanting to get it done. But if you are here and we know that you are, then we wait on you. It's quite humbling when you think that the God of the heavens and the earth, the maker and creator of all things, is with us right now in this moment, ready to speak to our hearts. So would you do that, God? I don't have not one word in my vocabulary that could save anyone, deliver anyone, transform anyone, rescue anyone. I don't have one word but your word, one word from you, and everything can change. So I'm inviting you, Holy Spirit, into this conversation. And we thank you that the spirit of the, of the living God is here. Remove distraction, give us clarity of thought, allow us to be attentive and focused, anoint me to preach your word, give me clarity of speech and mind, purity in my heart, God, while this is not my desire, I fight against every current of culture that is pushing pastors to have big churches and mega social media channels and to be insta-famous. That is not my heart. My heart is to live my life for the audience of one, Jesus Christ. And the only reason that I'm preaching the gospel of the good news today is because your word changed my life and you put it in my heart to tell my testimony of your transformational power. And if you can change somebody like JC, you can change anybody. So I don't ever wanna get out of alignment. I don't ever wanna miss it. I always want you to be the main thing. So you get the glory, Jesus. You get the honor. May the cross of Christ go before me. I don't wanna be seen. I want you to be seen. I want you to be lifted up high above the earth and you'll draw people to you. I feel the power of God right here, right now. I rebuke the attacks of the enemy. I take authority in the name above all names. And I thank you right here, right now, that every stronghold must be broken. Every generational curse must be broken. Every sickness must flee. Can you help me pray? Come on. Every disease must go. Every spiritual attack from the enemy is null and void 
buried because of the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I honor you right here and I give you the highest praise in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the people of God, the family of God said amen and amen. One more time, let's just love on King Jesus. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody clap like God's been good to you. Come on. Woo! Hey! Fired up. All right, you ready for the word? If you're ready, say I'm ready. I've tried to give you in the introduction of each episode or weeks in this series some interesting facts about the Bible. The hard part of providing you facts about Scripture is um, I pastor such a biblically brilliant church. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody and say, okay, not you, but go ahead and tell them. All right, how about this? Longest living person in the Bible. Anybody know who it is? Yes, he also smart. Methuselah. Who was Methuselah's daddy? Now, I got you, didn't I? <laughs> Enoch. Did Enoch die? No, God took him to heaven. Come on, how about, how about that? A way to go. What would y'all do if all of a sudden I was just like... <laughs> Methuselah was the grandfather of Noah. Good. All right, shortest verse in the Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35. Anybody know what it is? Jesus wept. That's right. Uh, we did a celebration of life yesterday for... A, a fantastic man who's been a part of this church family for a long time. I told that family, and I'll tell you, that Jesus does not get angry when you weep. Jesus isn't frustrated when you cry. Jesus never gets disappointed or mad when you grieve or mourn. Jesus himself, the Son of God, experienced empathy and loss and grief when Lazarus, his best friend, died. And here we see the shortest verse, but one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible that Jesus wept. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. Anybody know how many verses are in Psalm 119? 176 verses in Psalm 119. Um, I encourage you to read all 176 verses, and uh, it'll take you a minute, but uh, some of you guys sit on the toilet long enough, you could read it twice. Come on, somebody. All 176 verses are about the word of God, by the way. All of them, God's word, God's law, God's command. It's powerful. Okay, let's keep going. I'll give you a couple more. Have you ever heard of the Jefferson Bible? I'm gonna give credit to Pastor David Waldrip for telling me about the Jefferson Bible. So the Jefferson Bible is Thomas Jefferson's personal Bible. Jefferson was the third president of the United States of America, and he created for himself his own Bible. He made an 84-page book Bible. He took a scalpel and he took God's word and he cut out of God's word everything he did not like and everything that he did like. And he created a personal Bible for him, 84 pages long. In this personal Bible, he talked about God as creator and Jesus as a humanitarian, but left out all of the miraculous works of God and Jesus because he wanted people to view God as creator and Jesus as a good humanitarian, but he wanted the people to rely on science as they evolved in their worldview, that miracles could not happen. How many of you know that's not the Bible? All right, the Jefferson Bible. How about this? Some of you have a Catholic background. Some of you grew up in the Catholic church or, or you've recently started attending Go Church from a Catholic church. Did you know that the Catholic Bible has seven more books in the Bible than the Protestant Christian Bible does. Here they are, Tobit, Judith, Wisdom, Ecclesiasticus, Baruch, and First and Second Maccabees. Now over the years of pastoring, I've had individuals that have come from the Catholic Church and, and they've asked questions you know, about why Pastor JC doesn't ever preach or teach out of one of these books of the Bible. And so what Catholics would tell you is that they, they didn't add any books, but Protestant Christians removed books. So I wanna bring you some clarity here because this is a good conversation as you learn to binge the Bible and why I never teach or preach from any of these seven books and why you won't find these books in the Protestant Christian Bible. So I was just gonna tell them to you and then early this morning I thought, let me put it on a slide because some of you should take a picture of this. You're having conversations with family, friends, or coworkers. 
So here's some of the reasons that Protestant Christians don't recognize the additional seven books that are in the Catholic Bible. Now, the original Bible was written in Hebrew, and the Hebrew Bible never contained any of these writings at all. Also, if you go back to the Jewish people in the era of the Old Testament, you'll learn that they never accepted any one of these books as God's word. Thirdly, the first Christians rejected all of these writings. None of them accepted these seven books, these disputed books, to be the canon. And then you can get into individuals that, that are quoted in the Bible, wrote the Bible through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Peter, John, Paul, others, that in their writings they would quote the Old Testament, but they never once referenced any of these disputed books. Is this helpful? So the Bible, our Bible, is 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. I've given this to you every week in this series, 1,189 chapters with 31,102 verses. That's the King James translation. 40 different writers wrote the Bible through the inspiration of God. These were prophets, poets, priests, prisoners, kings, farmers, fishermen. They wrote from caves, dungeons, palaces, deserts. They wrote over 1,500 years to complete the Bible. Originally, it was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek on the continents of Asia, Africa, and Europe. So I always ask this question when I look at how God orchestrated the Bible through these individuals over such a vast period of time in different languages and different parts of the world, but how did they come up with the same story? Man held the pen, but God wrote the word. The author of the Bible is God and God alone. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed. And not only is God the author of the Bible, but Jesus is the main subject of the Bible. Read John 5.39 for yourself and you'll see where the word of God says that every scripture points to Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on. And then the verb of the Bible is give. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he, his one and only begotten son, he gave his son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for others, so we too ought to lay down our lives, give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so the same Holy Spirit who inspired those writers to write is the same Holy Spirit that will inspire you as you read. Every time you open up the Bible, if you'll pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart and inspire you, God's word is alive and active. I told you in, in previous weeks, it's a mirror that doesn't just show you a reflection of your true character and nature, but it gives you revelation of God's true character and nature. And you think you're reading the Bible, but the Bible is actually reading you. Come on, how many of you know that to be true? All right, for the next 25 minutes, let's turn our attention here because... When we talk about binging the Bible, what happens is a lot of people make quotes and they say it's from the Bible, but it ain't. It's bad grammar, but good preaching. So people will say, well, you know, like the Bible says, and then they'll fill in the blank, and that's not what the Bible says. Either they heard that from somewhere or they just straight up made it up. All right, let me give you a couple. See if you recognize any of these. You know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you ever heard that one before? Yeah. It ain't the Bible. Cleanliness is good, but it ain't, it's not in the scripture. How about this? Money is the root of all evil. It's not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, money can be used for a lot of good. Money can be used to bless others, advance the kingdom of God. Money can be used for uh, entertainment purposes and educational purposes. The Bible actually says that it is the Love of money, that is the root of all evil, that you can't serve two gods, right? How about this one? This too shall pass. Anybody ever say that one? Listen, this is a judgment-free zone. You can raise your hand in church and admit that you were wrong. I told you on Easter Sunday that I've had like north of 20 kidney stones. And uh, I haven't told many people until today that 
this week I've been in the process of having, a, a, well, another child. And uh, <laughs> man, it's been bad. I mean, it is, it's really been bad. My father-in-law, we call him the bishop of the house because he pastored this church for 33 years. He's here today honoring him. He passed a kidney stone last week. It's bad, y'all. And uh, even this week, like lower back pain and and, and, and. and finally it got to the point where I just started praying out to God. I'm like, Lord, you said in your word, this too shall pass. <laughs> and in that moment, I heard the Lord say, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was like, well, this sounds really good right now, Lord. Please let it pass. Um, it's still there, y'all. And uh, <laughs> how about this one? God helps those who help themselves. You ever said that? Ever heard that? It's not the Bible. Benjamin Franklin in uh, Poor Richard's Almanac of 1733 talked about how God will help those who help themselves. Aesop's Fables in his writings talks about how God will help those who help themselves. I've not read the Quran in its entirety, but I've read part of the Quran. Allah talks about this, that Allah will not help a population of people until that population of people first learn to help themselves. But this is not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, God knew that you couldn't help yourself. God knew that you couldn't save yourself. So he sent his son, Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a moment. All right, how about this one? One more thought here on, the, on this particular string. To thine own self be true. You know, the Bible says, to thine own self be true. Y'all, that's Shakespeare from Hamlet. Come on now, let's just be honest. It's not the Bible, okay? It's not Song of Solomon. You know, Song of Solomon says, to thine own self be true. How about this one? God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody heard that one? I was on uh, Facebook the other day, and, and there was an individual that attends Go Church, and understandably so, going through a lot, and they just posted, you know, how grateful they are that God says in his word that he'll never give us more than we can handle. And listen, I understand the optimism of this. I understand the hope that's found within this. But it's not what God said. And I wanna talk about this one in, in length today because as your pastor, I never wanna give you how do I wanna say it? I never wanna give you like a, a watered down cheap sentimental version of Christianity or the scripture because then you'll walk blindly into situations and think a number of thoughts as you face the difficulties of life um, and, and you'll actually, because I've done this, you'll actually be overwhelmed with guilt and condemnation that comes from the enemy because condemnation doesn't come from God. God sent his son Jesus to save the world, not to condemn the world. So condemnation and that unhealthy guilt comes from the enemy. And you'll experience that when you walk through the pains of life and you're like, this is more than I can handle, but God said that I could handle it, but I can't handle it. So, so again, I don't, I don't wanna water down God's word. So this is not what the Bible says. Now I'm gonna give you some good news because we need good news, but it was actually Jesus in John 16, 33, that says, now I'm gonna tell you this so that in me you can have peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. Now, if you just stopped right there, if Jesus just stopped right there with a period, that would be a disappointment. But he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but you can take heart because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Jesus didn't say, hey, I tell you these things so that you can have peace. I'll never give you more than you can handle. Look at me. It's all more than you can handle. It's all too much. It's all overwhelming. Now, now here is the truth because you need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. God is good. God is faithful. God is just. God is sovereign. He is the God of miracles. Come on, somebody. MyGoChurch.com, you can get you a t-shirt just like this. <laughs> He's the God of miracles. He is our help. 
He is our strength. Y'all gonna help me today or what? He is our sustainer. But listen, just because you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that you are exempt from the pains and the problems and the storms and the trials and the troubles of life. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you'll never experience loss and grief and mourning and tears and problems and worries and fears. But it does mean that you never have to go through one moment of that all by yourself. Come on and give God some praise. Now listen to me, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be so honest for the next 17 minutes here. And I don't know if you appreciate the vulnerability and the transparency of your pastor, but I'm just gonna say it because for the next 20 minutes, you all are my therapy session and I need help. I don't know if I've ever cried in my adulthood life like I have cried in this year. How's that? A part of it is because growing up in my family, they said that men don't cry, which I've learned is nonsense, and that ain't in the Bible either. Every single one of you are emotional. We're all emotional. So some of our emotions are processed through tears and crying, but some of you, men, you don't cry, but you get angry. Anyway, I've cried a lot this year. I told Kimberly the other day, I mean, man, when I look back, I, first of all, I can't believe we're in May. Anybody with me on that? Like in two weeks, there's gonna be Christmas trees in Walmart. That's how it happens, isn't it? I'm gonna get you a Christmas tree. Uh, my wife will have a Christmas tree up in July, Christmas in July. First of all, I can't believe it's in May, but I told Kimberly the other day as I'm walking around the house like, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall. She's like, if you're gonna quote something, quote the word. So I was like, submit, woman. <laughs> I have been sleeping on the couch for three days. I'm just I'm kidding. That's a joke. Walking around the house. Now still a line from my father-in-law. Poor, pitiful me. Gloom, doom, and despair. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. The devil's out to get. I'm the only one that's ever felt that way. I'm like, Lord, can't you pick on somebody else? Eight billion people in the world. Can you pick on somebody else? And I told Kimberly, I said, you know what? I, I think that I am in the middle of a spiritual warfare. I think that the enemy is ticked off at your pastor because I have decided, and this isn't like anything new, but I've decided that Go Church is gonna be a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Christ believing, spirit filled church, and we're not gonna waver. So the enemy's angry, the enemy's mad because I declared through the unction of the Holy Ghost that this year would be the year of God's miracles, so the devil's mad. So like, I feel like I'm, I'm in spiritual warfare. But here's what, I, here's what I also know. Sometimes the storms in life that we go through, they are spiritual. Like the enemy is tempting us and God is testing us, which by the way, the Bible never says that God will tempt you. People say, that. well, you know, God tempted me. No, God didn't tempt you, the devil tempted you, but God will test you because you can never advance to a new level until you first pass a test. So he will test you so that he can grow you. So sometimes it is spiritual, the temptation and the testing, but sometimes the storms that we're in is just because you're an idiot. I call them self-inflicted stupid storms. That it's nobody's fault. The devil didn't do it. God didn't do it. You're just a moron. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody ever been in the middle of the storm? You're like, you know what? I ain't got nobody to blame but me. And you looked in the mirror like, you are a dumb dumb. I'm sorry I said I'm in the middle of it. And it's been hard. And if in those moments you say, but you'll never give me more than I can handle. I won't use their name and I will survey the room so that no one person feels like I'm looking at them and magnifying their situation. But you would not believe the stories of pain 
that are a part of this church. And as their pastor, how can I look at these people that are going through hell and say, ah, God will never give you more than you can handle. How do I tell the family whose husband and father at 36 years old died from COVID and left the family fatherless and now a widow? How do I, how do I tell them? As I'm standing in the, in, the, in the ICU and they are hysterical and broken. Could you imagine? I was like, hey, hold on. God will never give you more than you can handle. You got this. How, how do I tell the now single mom who found out that her husband was cheating on her? He leaves her as now a single mom so that he can go, marry this mistress woman, create a whole new life, live his life while she's just struggling to figure out day to day a new norm. How do I say to her, hey, pick it up. You'll be all right. God will never give you more than you can handle. How do I tell the mama that at 40 weeks when she went into the hospital to deliver the baby, on that day of delivery, there was no heartbeat. Don't worry, God will never give you more than you can. I remember, because you don't forget these moments in your life when like the stuff hits the fan. 13 years old and middle of the night, we get a phone call. My dad was traveling from Florida to New York. He was an over the road truck driver on his way back from New York. He stopped in Virginia to get a hotel room. We got a phone call that in the hotel room, he had a massive heart attack and he was gone. How could someone tell me at 13, look, God will never give you more than you can. It's all too much. I think the older I get, the more I learn that I can't handle any of it on my own strength on my own power. Am I talking to anybody today? So where do people get this thought? Well, you go to 1 Corinthians here. Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth. I'll, I'll show you his second letter in a few moments that really counters the inconsistency of this thought that people have that God will never give you more than you can handle. Paul uses this word temptation. And in the Greek, temptation means two things. It means the temptation to sin or the testing of challenge the testing through challenges and trials and difficulties in life so people that would read 1 Corinthians 10:13 and say well this is why i believe god will never give me more than i can handle they're misinterpreting the greek use of the word temptation paul is not saying that god will never give you a test or a difficulty or a pain or a problem what paul is writing about is the temptation to sin that, and this is good news, that we're all gonna be tempted to sin, but in God's grace, he provides us the way of escape. And the way of escape, escape to get out of sin is through the person of Jesus Christ. He gives us Jesus. Jesus is the only way of escape, right? So what Paul is saying, and this is really important that when you read your Bible, that you don't just pick one verse and then you isolate it from scripture, but you should always go back at least 10 verses prior and 10 verses forward so you get the full context. For here, you could do 12 verses because Paul adamantly is talking about the temptation to sin. So when you read scripture, you binge the Bible, here's what you're gonna learn is that the Bible actually says the very opposite of this. Let me give you a few places. Remember when uh, Elijah was running from, from Jezebel. He's running from Jezebel, and the angel of the Lord appeared to Elijah. And watch this. I'll get there. Hold on. Not sure what happened. Here we go. Watch. Get up and eat. Let's read this together on three. One, two, three. For the journey is too much for you. You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want you to. 
But is there anybody at Go Church today that your journey is just too much for you? You ever felt like you got dealt the wrong hand of cards? Man, listen, I, I love golf. Um, that journey is too much for me. Come on, somebody. I love it. I love playing with some of the guys in the church because, man, they give their pastor a ton of grace. They're like Jesus in my life. Hit you another shot, pastor. God bless you. And you know what I do? I'm like, okay. They give me a mulligan. You ever felt like you needed a mulligan in life? Like, can we just, you think we can start this whole thing over? And go, to the, go to King David. David, a man after God's own heart, sins against God with Bathsheba, and the repercussion of, of that sin, there's a ripple effect, a generational ripple effect. In Psalm 51, David writes his prayer of repentance, but in Psalm 38, David writes a prayer of lament, of anguish, because of the sin. Watch what he says. For my sin, my iniquities are gone over my head. Anybody ever been there? Like you're trying to tread in water, but you're just drowning? And he says, as a heavy burden, they, they weigh too much for me. Go to verse eight. I am feeble, utterly crushed, and I groan in the anguish of my heart. You know what he doesn't say? I'm messed up, but you never give me more than I can handle. Jesus, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he went to the garden of Gethsemane and there he prayed so fervently that the Bible teaches us that his sweat turned into drops of blood. And you know what he prayed? Watch this. The son of God, the Messiah, the chosen one that knew what he had to do in order to pay for the penalty of our sin. And yet our Lord Jesus said, Lord, if you could, if there's just any other way, can I, go, can I go that way? Will you take this cup from me? What is he talking about? He's talking about the cup of suffering, which would be the cross at Calvary. Jesus himself knew, this is more than I can handle. It's just too much. And then Paul, let's go back. His second letter, watch what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant here. And when we, when we were in the province of Asia, we experienced a lot of trouble. And again, I think that this verse right here, the second half of this verse highlighted in yellow is just a lot of us. It's me. It's me. I'm under a lot of great pressure. And it's far beyond my ability to endure. Now look at me real quick, because this isn't Resignation Sunday for Pastor JC. I'm in it till Jesus comes back or until I breathe my last breath. Because for those of you, don't clap yet because I'm gonna give you a chance to really go all in, all right? Because for those of you that you've not yet binged your Bible, let me give you a little something to taste and see how good God is. I've read the end of the book and we win. Come on, somebody. We are victorious. Come on. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Oh, come on, if we're gonna clap, let's do it well. So I know that the enemy is upset. I know the enemy is angry. I know, it. hey, listen to me real quick. You wanna know when you're doing the right thing is when you tick the devil off. You wanna know when you're walking the straight and narrow, when the enemy is upset and all the hell is against you and you're going through a storm. That's when you know. So I'm not quitting. Devil, you should have killed me while you had a chance. You should have locked me up while you had a chance. But I ain't going back to jail. All right? Under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. So when you say things like, God will never give me more than I can handle, then you devalue the gifts that come from God to help you in the middle of your chaos. I'll give you three. One, you need a church family. You need a church family. Because as brothers and sisters in the faith, listen to me, you're how we make it on the days we feel like quitting. I mean, at Go Church, we have, we've leveraged live streaming and online capabilities, and I love it, but God didn't create you to do church at home. 
And I'm not preaching down, I'm just telling you the truth because when you do church at home, then your whole church family is in your living room. And what happens when the storms show up? What happens when life happens? Where do you turn? Listen, you need each other. You need to encourage each other, pray for each other, text each other, send a card of encouragement, take somebody to coffee, take somebody to lunch, do life together, get in a group. Groups are how we make a big church small. Iron sharpens iron. When you see somebody going through something, you ought to own it. You know how many times you walk into Go Church at any campus and somebody's like, how are you? And they're like, I'm fine. Lies. You lie, you straight up lied. You are not fine. What if you were like, you know what? Man, life is hard. You know what that person would say? It is hard. I don't have time for a whole lot of stories, but let me give you one. Some months ago, I decided to, don't judge me. Don't you dare judge me. Especially those of you at Go Performance. Don't you dare judge me. But I went, I went through a fast food restaurant. And it wasn't Chick-fil-A. <laughs> That's when I know that I'm out of line with God. That's when you wanna know, how's my pastor doing spiritually? If you see me in Taco Bell, uh, Taco Bell, sing you to hell. Come on, somebody. That's bad. It's bad. You know things. Are, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You're like, you know what? I hate life. Double beef burrito. <laughs> so I went to Taco Bell. I went to Taco Bell. I was like, I'm going to eat my pain away. <laughs> but I am going to say something. Have you had those nacho fries? Okay, I got to get back. Lord. Mm. I read in Revelation, though, that Chick-fil-A will be served at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we love Chick-fil-A. And listen to me. Chick-fil-A in heaven, open on Sundays. Take that. 247-365. But I went to Taco Bell because I was like, I don't even want Christian chicken right now. I don't want that. I went to Taco Bell. What's interesting is, is that these fast foods, especially through the drive-thru, like all of them have their own like unique introduction, you know, to like greet you. And Chick-fil-A, they make you feel like, you know, you've just been coronated as king. McDonald's makes you feel like you don't deserve to live. How many of you know that's true? They're like, why are you here? And, and then you're like, I, genuinely, I have no idea. And they're like, how much do you weigh? I don't know. You don't need this. Cholesterol. I, man, I, I got to get back. Taco Bell. I'm in a Taco Bell drive through I wait my turn. I probably waited 56 minutes. I finally get there. And uh, so I pull up. It's like 45 seconds of silence. And I knew they probably just shut it down. And so finally, the lady comes on the intercom, and this, this was her introduction. How are you today? Say, excuse, huh? It was so weird. How are you today? And I don't know why, but I was like, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> and was, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I was like, I'm having a bad day. And she was like, so am I. I put the car in park. I was like, what's going on with you? She's like, it's these customers. You don't know what I'm like. You tell, I work with people. What are you talking about? And she's like, what's going on with you? I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm about to get a double beef bean burrito. That's my problem. And it's just amazing that in a moment, because we decided, I don't even know who she was. I never saw her. I, I think she was an angel from the Lord working at Taco Bell. But just when you let your guard down, you need a church family. Paul told in the letter to the church at Galatia, he says, this is the purpose of the local church, that you carry each other's burdens. If, if life wasn't too much to handle, why would you need somebody to help you lift the weight? Take the mask off and say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going through some stuff, man. I'm going through some hurts and I need help. I need somebody to encourage me. Last week, I had my 40-year-old physical. The problem with that is that I turned 43 in two months, three months, four months. So I'm late. And Kimberly told me, she's like, I've made the appointment again three years in a row. If you miss this one, just don't come home. So I'm like, man. So I go to the doctor. I haven't had a primary care since like 2003. Because how many of you know men can be prideful? Because we won't tell them, I ain't what's wrong with you? Nothing. Your arm's missing. There ain't no problem. 
I got WD-40 in a duct tape roll. Be all right. So I go to the doctor, Dr. Lewis, right here. I walk in, and he's like, so why are you here? I'm like, be real honest. My wife said that if I didn't come today, I couldn't come home. And he's like, well, then we're going to make sure that you're all right. He said, any, any health stuff going on? You know what I could have said? No. As a matter of fact, this is a specimen. And when you see this, you're going to be like, oh, man, God, wow. But I was like, you know what? I got these kidney stones. Um, and he was like, is there any stress? I can be like, nah. But I was honest. When's the last time you've been like real honest? People say, and this, is, this is what you've heard. I don't, I don't go to church because they're full of hypocrites. Yep. I told somebody one time, you've heard me tell the story. They're like, I'm not going to go church. Go church full of hypocrites. I'm like, hold on. We always got room for one more. Come on now. Can I get an amen? I see empty seats. Fill them up with all the hypocrites. It's not our intention to, intention to be a hypocrite, but we're human beings. We're not perfect. This, this room, this church is not a country club for people that have it all together. It's a hospital for broken people, a hospital for hurting people. Let us carry your burdens. Listen to me. You don't have to go through life alone. You can choose that, and that's a hard choice. Or we can be lockstep, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, bearing one another's burdens, and that's how we fulfill the law of Christ. The second thing, when life is more than you can handle, not just a good church home or church family, but you need the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't reject the person of the Holy Spirit because you don't know who he is. Lean into the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you can have intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, Every morning when I do my prayer time, quiet time, and in then, my first prayer is, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit because I feel weak. I feel inadequate. I feel overwhelmed. Life is hard. My mom is going through so much. She fell the other night. From 10.30 p.m. to 3.30 in the morning, she laid on the floor because she couldn't get up. She remembered there was an Alexa in the living room, so she screamed for Alexa to call my sister who lives a few minutes away. Ah, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. Life's hard. But the Holy Spirit is who helps us in our weakness. You know what the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is, listen to me, to comfort you, to wrap his arms around you, to give you strength. When nobody else can, when nobody else is there, it's the Holy Spirit that will wrap his arms around you and give you hope. And then the third thing is this. I could preach on that longer, but we're over time. The third thing is this. Not only do you need a church home and church family, not only do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can comfort you and strengthen you and encourage you, but you need an eternal perspective. Uh, pastors will say this. I, let, me, let me not talk about pastors. Let me talk about me. I've said this in a way to rile up the crowd, to generate a response. I'm not gonna say it today that way. I'm gonna say it because you need to know it. This world is not our home. This isn't our forever. And thank God for that. You know what helps us go through the times that are more than we can handle is to realize that as sons and daughters, Paul said, he said that sons and daughters in Christ Jesus, this world is not our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. That my address right now is not my forever address. I'm getting an upgrade. Come on. That I've got the hope of heaven. So Paul told the church in Corinth, he said, so don't focus on what you see. And I know that's hard. Because a lot of times we can only see what's in front of us. But as real as the natural world is, there is a supernatural world. So you know what helps you to put one foot in front of the other? 
You know what helps you, as my mama always says, to keep on keeping on? You know what will help you not to throw in the towel? Is to get your eyes off of what you see because what you see is temporary and get your eyes on what is unseen because that is forever. Oh, come on, if we don't clap, come on. So the question is this. If life is more than I can handle, where do I turn? Where do I turn? All right. Here you go, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge. God is. God is our strength. And I love this verse, watch. And he is always, somebody say always. And he is always ready to help in times of trouble. Every head bowed, every eye closed, come on. Every campus, campus pastors are moving. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Come on, I don't want to transition yet, but will you take 15 seconds? Process these questions. What the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? What's your next step? Anybody going through some stuff? Come on, lean in for these 15 seconds. I'll pray for you. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. But thank you that you are a loving Father that never leaves us nor forsakes us and that you are always ready to step in in the times of trouble. I thank you that you see our tears and you hear our cries and you know our pains and you allow us to process our emotions and God, that you are, you are bigger than our frustrations. You are bigger than our hurt. You're bigger than our confusion. You're bigger than the storms. Where else could I go? Who else could I turn to? What do we do when we hit rock bottom or when something catastrophic happens? So many people turn to the things of the world. The problem is the things of the world are only counterfeit to the real joy and hope that we find in you. So I'm praying this, but listen to me. Don't you, in the, in the moment where life becomes more than you can handle, don't you run from God, you run to God. Don't you turn your back on God because God's never turned his back on you. Don't you give up on God, God won't give up on you. God is our refuge, God is our help, God is our hope, God is all we need. And if God be for us, come on. So Holy Spirit, right here, right now, minister to the hearts of those that have been through something, are going through something, or one day, and I'm not prophesying pain or problems, but for those that one day will go through something, may this moment be a reminder of your goodness, your sovereignty, your power, your glory. You are enough. In Jesus' name we pray. And the whole church said amen and amen. High praise for the King of Kings. Come on. Come on, don't leave. You dismiss.